Welcome back to the LED Project Podcast. My name is Kyle Krieger, and I'm so thrilled tonight to be joined by uh, Brittany McGregor. How are you, Brittany? I'm great. How are you? I'm I'm really good. I'm really good. Um, <laughs> I, uh, you know, this has been like the second week of for real spring into summer in Wisconsin. So, uh, you know, there's no snow on the ground. It was in the 70s again today. So I'm I'm feeling pretty good. Oh, yeah. We went from, in Massachusetts, we went from, like, winter straight into 90-degree weather. So it's been quite the change the past two days. Oh, my goodness. Like, it it hasn't gotten into the 90s here in Wisconsin yet. What part of Massachusetts are you in? Um, I'm in Western Mass. And it just yesterday, it just went 90 degrees. Today, 90. We'll see what, what happens, if we'll see spring at all. But for now, it's just been summer. <laughs> Right. And just so everybody's clear on the on the podcast, your 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 Instagram and your uh your teacher line is the cutesy class, right? That I'm saying that right yeah. as well. Yes. Awesome. So that's why we brought you on is to talk about that among other things. So um just to get everybody started and, and to get to know you a little better, could you just tell us your story of kind of how you became a teacher and, and what your teaching looks like now? Yeah, totally. Um, I had always really liked school, I think. And I always thought I'd be a teacher. But when I was applying, I remember in high school, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna teach high school um, history. And I have no idea why like I liked history, but wasn't like really into it. I just assumed that I would like it. And my first day of college, I was like, Nope, I'm changing early. Um, early childhood and I went to school love it I love little kids I always I worked at like soccer camps with kids in high school and I just love being around kids like the energy you get from them is amazing and I just wanted that forever I guess nice so what grade do you teach now um I I taught second for four years and then I moved up with um, my kids to third grade this year are are a lot more schools doing that where you are moving with kids to different grades? Um, I don't know. I see. I didn't like specifically loop like a lot of people do where oh. you have the same class. I have about half of the same kids. We have two classes. Um, but my school is actually growing because um, we're actually a new school. So third grade was a whole new grade and we had to write a bunch of curriculum for it. So... I moved up with my kids to do that, and it's just been the coolest experience. Nice, that's awesome. I I will say you probably saved yourself uh, a lot of a lot of headache by not going history. Mm -hmm. Like that's that's what I am by trade. I'm social yeah. studies and history, and like I remember the semesters where it was like eleven books for like one class. Oh and, my goodness! And it was just and it was brutal. And when I graduated in when I graduated college in two thousand eight. Like social studies, social studies, the only thing that was harder to get than social studies was gym or PE. So oh, yeah. that's, that's what took me from Wisconsin down to Texas is that's the first place that offered me a job. So, um, you know, I just, I just moved back to Wisconsin this past summer to, to be closer to my family. So I feel you there though. But, uh, yeah, if you're not a lover of the history, you definitely don't want to try to, uh, try to teach it because it can get mundane 
when you're taking the classes. And if you don't really like it, it can get mundane when you're teaching the classes. Yeah, I feel like I just started a um, unit with my kids um, for Massachusetts history because it's one of our standards. And it's cool, right, to learn about. But then I think, I don't know, I don't, I remember like thinking it was like interesting and now it's interesting to me, but I don't know. I don't know, it's cool, but. Yeah, you know, and the funny thing was I, you know, I went to, I grew up in Wisconsin. I went to school, you know, just across the Wisconsin border in Minnesota and I moved to Texas and I have my first year, I teach a full year class of just Texas history. And <laughs> Did it you was, ever learn it? <laughs> no, no, I didn't learn any of it. I had to learn it on the fly, which, which made, which made my life interesting to say the least. Yeah. All right. So, uh, a little bit more on your background. Could you talk about, uh, who your favorite teacher of all time is and why that person was your favorite teacher? Um, yeah, I, oh, I had some good ones. Um, actually so funny because I didn't want to teach second grade. I wanted to teach kindergarten when I first started teaching, but my second grade teacher, I loved her so much. And I just remember her name was Miss Cabana. And I, I don't like remember even what we did. I just remember like that feeling you know, like the feeling you had when you were there, like she was like the most loving person I feel like I ever met. And it was like the comfort feeling. And I just, I still remember. It was so cool. And that name alone, like, I think I would have loved her class. Knowing <laughs> that know. her name was Miss Cabana. That's, that's <laughs> so fantastic. That's such a great story. All right. So if you were, as a teacher, if you were to be a superhero, like one of the common superheroes, or to have a superpower, what would it, what would that be and why? Mm. Okay. Well, for no reason at all, my favorite superhero is Spider-Man. <laughs> um, but if I could choose a superpower, I would definitely know what my kids are thinking. Right, right. I, right. Oh, oh man, to be to really be able to, and you know, uh, I can't remember who we were talking with about this. That they said the same thing, but they were like, oh. and and not and not to stop them from you know doing bad things, but to really like be able to understand where they're at and really connect with them, and you know, to be able to hear or or understand all the things that they aren't saying and what's really going on with them. I think that'd be an incredible superpower no i'd be like check for understanding done don't need it and also like a kid having a bad day or they seem out of it i know exactly what's going on like that's like one of the most challenging things about teaching right you know when you ask the question does everyone understand and all the head <laughs> all, all the heads nod and then yeah. 15 minutes later nobody knows what they're doing yeah awesome oh great God. that's That'd a great Oh my God, it would for sure. So, all right. Um, what is your take on the state of education in the United States right now? Mm. Well, there's so much going on. Um, I guess like there's, I just feel like it's what's going on in the world, right? There's so much going on in this world, so much hate. And I think 
in education, we have so much like empowerment that we can talk about it with the kids who can change the world to make it better, you know? Um, I think there's, I don't know, as teachers, I feel like with everything that's going on with race and all like the gun violence and everything, like it's also negative, but it needs to be talked about. And I think talking to kids about it can change the future, you know? Yeah. I love, I love that answer, you know, and, and, uh, my co-host Wilkie and I have had a conversation a lot that if, you know, what happens if we don't start really focusing on the experience that the kids are having in schools. And like, my biggest fear is that this generation of students that we have right now, they become like more disenfranchised with education than, you know, their parents' generation is. Mm-hmm. And then our, our country, you know, that education becomes more divided than it already is. But I love what you said that, you know, with all everything that's going on, it really gives us an opportunity to talk with kids and get their opinion and let them start thinking about it. And like you said, let them start to uh, understand the problem and try to fix it. Cause it's crazy what those kids can do if they're, you know, given the opportunity and given the challenge of talking about the things that are really going on. Yeah. I just, I mean, I see so much, you see, so everyone sees so much in the news and the kids see it too. It doesn't matter if they're high school kids or they're, third graders like they know a lot and like they can advocate for themselves you know and the people around them and it's I think it's just important for them to do that or for teachers to empower their kids to do that absolutely I think and that's a word that I love that you said too is to be able to advocate for themselves because right now I teach uh in a high school where I have 25 at-risk kids who are you know it's basically like a credit recovery program where, you know, kids that have struggled in the main, you know, school can come and we have them for four periods of the seven during the day. So we get a lot of kind of individualized um, attention, but that's the thing we struggle with. And these are 10th through 12th graders of them advocating for themselves and asking for the things they need because they've become so turned off by, you know, teachers and education itself that, I mean, that's a skill you know, we're working on with our high school kids. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's important. Like we, we actually last year in second grade, we had a whole um, social studies unit about like um, advocates and famous people. Obviously we learned about so many great people and like the kids like can like take a stance on a topic, you know? And if they are doing that at such a young age, like I'm so excited to see where they go. Yeah, that's awesome. That's such a good point. So do you have an educational philosophy or kind of a statement that you really, you know, sums up what you do as a teacher? Um, yeah, I think, I, I think my philosophy is like just that every kid can be successful no matter what. And I think there's so many challenges against so many kids. So I work in an urban um, school and kids come in every day with so many different challenges, but it has not stopped them from being so successful in so many different ways, not even just on assessments, right? Like 
in general, becoming like really great people with really great like character traits and strengths. Um, I just, I think I like my philosophy is just to be super positive and like help all of my kids learn and grow. Yeah, there's there's not enough that can be said about the power of just being optimistic with your kids and really showing them, you know, that there's opportunities no matter what they've gone through or what they're going through. And I grew up like super duper small town, Wisconsin, you know, like only 2000 people total. And then I went to Houston where I was teaching in a title one school with, you know, the, you know, really low socioeconomic kids. And the first time I had a kid who I realized was in the eighth grade and taking care of four younger siblings, it just really shifted my mind to how those kids prioritize. But then like to you said, there are still ways that even those kids, despite those challenges can still be successful. Yeah. And I just think like the way, one of the ways to do that is to like make learning obviously as fun as possible, like make them want to learn and show them how cool it is to learn. Right. Like, it's cool to be like a math nerd and it's cool to like love to pick up books and read them, you know? Yeah. And I I think that's like a huge part. Like you get them excited and want to do those things. Then they do it themselves. Yeah. And I, and I think in my journey, it took me two or three years or maybe even four years to really realize how much what I modeled and how I approached it and the way I carried myself mattered to kids. And the more positive body language you can have, the more you talk with them, the more side conversations and all that stuff that you, you make, you make them feel cool and you make them feel fun. But also like there's value in making yourself fun and like making them think that you're cool and not like cool. Like their friends are cool because I'm pretty nerdy with my high school kids now, and they still think I'm cool. Yeah, totally. I met a teacher, and she was like, there are, there are too many cool kids. Everyone needs to be a nerd. And I was like, that's so true. Like, you don't need to try to be cool, and that's, like, what makes you cool, right? Like, right. doing the right thing is cool. <laughs> like, Yeah, know. yeah, and, and you know, that, that part of really – as a teacher, being yourself and, and being authentic and having fun with what you do, I think is super important as well. So that's a good, that is a good philosophy and a good reminder, you know, because, and I think the other part that goes with that too is not defining all the kids' success the same. Because yeah. I'm, I'm sure you know in your school, the kids who come from different challenges, success looks different to them. Totally. I think it's like, how much kids grow is so huge, right? All kids come to you in different ways. And I think some kids are like totally get content right away, right? But they're just not confident and you have to build them up in that way rather than focusing on like really pushing them academically and looking at every kid. Every kid's an individual. It's like all adults. Right, right. And I think the more we, the more we treat them as individuals, the more they'll grow up appreciating that they're individuals. And then, you know, kind of back to your point, you know, then maybe our 
society can get more to the point where it's every you know it's okay that we're all different and it's okay that we don't all agree on stuff because you know back to your point there's so much disagreement and there's so much I feel mm-hmm. like trying to prove that your point of view is right or someone else's point of view or who they are is wrong and I the more we can show our kids that it's cool and it's fun and it's awesome to be different the better off we'll be totally all right so let's let's talk about the cutesy class so do you want to explain what the what the cutesy class is what your website does and and how it got started yeah um so funny so i i was trying to figure out when i started and i think it was like 2015 when i started on um teachers pay teachers and i actually like just started one day because I would buy so much on Teachers Pay Teachers. Like, I loved everything. And I would also make so much for myself in my classroom. And I needed to make it cute, which was really important to me. And I was with my boyfriend. He was like, why don't you just start selling your stuff? And I was like, okay. So I kind of just jump into things when I'm excited. And I didn't have a name. I called it, like, Miss M's Second Grade. And started selling some stuff. Um, and then last November, November, 2016, I decided to make an Instagram because I would follow so many teachers and I was like, I want in on this. And, um, after about seven or eight months, I started selling t-shirts and I'm just kind of the person, the kind of person, like if I have an idea, I just get really like excited and I just do it. So the t-shirt thing didn't think it through too much. Um, <laughs> but I just was like, let's do this. Buy all the stuff, start making them. And I don't know, it just all happened so quickly. It's cool. Now, are you making the t-shirts yourself or is someone else making them? Well, um, I started making, so I had like I have a silhouette and a vinyl and I would make them and it was, and I started actually with an Etsy shop and it was just too much. I mean, everyone knows how much we do as teachers. So I had to start outsourcing some and I actually started getting them screen printed. It was better quality. Um, so I get the shirts now. And then do you, do you order the shirts and have them and send them to people or do you have someone that like do you order them through a place where they send them out um both i've done both i like the idea of like sending them out myself but in reality at a certain point you can't um unless it's like your full-time job (laughs) which it is not mine i have a job i go to from seven to four every day and um sometimes it's just too much and that's just like the reality but i didn't want to stop so just had to find a way. Nice. And I think that's good. So what are what are some of your more uh, more popular t-shirt designs? Ooh. Um, I think I'm known for being a teacher and dog mom. <laughs> um, I get lots of messages about one like other pets or um, principal and dog mom or <laughs> some other ones. I have a friend and I just had to make her um friend and engineer and cat mom shirt <laughs> which is not something I would normally do but it's just it's I don't know it's fun anyway um 
some other ones. Read, I think the one that made the cutesy class shirts like get a little big was the read all the books one, which is one of my faves still. Nice. So, you know, so through the, the t-shirts and through the, you know, your TPT page, how does that help you to connect with other teachers? Oh my goodness. So the Instagram community is just the best. I honestly feel like I talk to teachers on Instagram more than I talk to people like I know in real life. Um, but with the shirts, it's really cool because a lot of people reach out to me. I've done some custom shirts for people. I actually just did an order today. Um, and like when I see somebody in my shirt, I'm like, oh my goodness, that is so exciting. And you just like think about like when I would get, when I still buy shirts from other people. So when I get shirts and I wear them, I'm so excited. And my kids notice them, which is cool. And I just feel like, wow, like kids are seeing that their teacher loves teaching so much that they're, they're buying shirts to get excited about it. And it's just like the coolest feeling in the world. Yeah, I've really noticed. I mean, and, and like to your point, the Instagram community, we're just probably like in 2018, like really diving into the Instagram teacher community. But I, I can't tell you how many times I notice like teachers are like that's almost like acceptable teacher professional dress now is to wear like a graphic t-shirt or something cool like that. And I think that's, that's a really interesting move. And I think it goes to your point to that, um, you know, trying to be cool. I think it makes your kids think that you're cool, that you're like willing to wear a cool t-shirt because they're so, at least my high school kids, and I know elementary kids are too, they're, they're so wrapped up in what they're wearing and what everybody else is. So it's got to be really cool to have teachers wear your t-shirt. No, it's so cool. And I actually, my school does, um, well, we used to do Fridays wear college shirts. And um, my boss in the beginning of the year put in an email saying like, or fun teacher shirts, see Britt McGregor. And I was like, Oh my goodness, this is the best. <laughs> oh man, getting the full shout out from your principal. I know. That's got to be fantastic. A whole staff email. I was like, wow, this is great. <laughs> awesome. So do your students know that like this is your, you know, you're doing this as a side business and you're connecting and, and all that you, you're kind of, you know, an important person online. Do they know all that stuff about you? <laughs> Um, no. So they're so young. I think they watch a lot of YouTube. So I try to like see who's cool on YouTube for third graders, but they don't know. I have, um, I have one of Chelsea, the hipster art teacher. She made me a clipboard. And so it says the cutesy class on it and kids have read it and said things. And like I said, they'll, they've pointed out my shirts before, but they don't like know that I... I don't know that I like participate in this Instagram community. I would tell them like I would have no problem, but it just never really came up. I don't think. Yeah. You know, and that's, I mean, that's the kind of, I think the difference, you know, with my high school kids, um, I, I catch them and, and I should be more aware, but they catch me with their, their Instagram story and their Snapchat all the time during the day. Like I'll just be walking up <laughs> to talk to one of them and they'll snap like the most awkward picture of me and send it <laughs> and send it to all their friends. 
But to me, it actually like means a lot that they think enough of me that they want to add me to their Instagram story or their Snapchat story because that's that's where they live now. And that's oh. that's where they're doing the majority of their stuff. No, I I think it's really cool. I I see some people that will like say something to their students on their Instagram stories. I'm like, oh my gosh, if I could talk to my kids. And I guess my kids, my school will go to eighth grade. So they'll be in middle school. Some of them have phones, but they're not, they don't use them in school. Um, so maybe in a couple of years, they'll like follow me and I can chat with them. Oh yeah, yeah for sure. Cool. You know, and the hard part is it's, like I have a personal Instagram and then I have my, you know, podcast and our business Instagram and they, they can find me. Like they find yeah. me on, on my personal Instagram. I don't think they know that I have like a, a teacher Instagram because if they, if they did, they would all follow me, but I don't think they know about it. So they, they all request me on my personal Instagram <laughs> and I, and I just have to explain to them like, and that's probably, probably not good at this point for me to be Instagram friends with students because who knows? I mean, they could scroll back. I mean, my Instagram goes back like four or five years. So they could scroll back and find something obscure from a long time ago. And it just, it just goes down a road. I don't want to go down with them, but for them to want to, you know, take pictures with me and, and to do that, I, I think is pretty special. No, totally. I, I coached um, girls high school soccer for a couple of years and they would follow me and I didn't know what to do at first because for the same reason, like it was personal. I was young when I started it in college and um, I think I added them like when they were like graduating and then I ended up playing like summer soccer and still do with some of them. Um, so it, I guess it like turned to more of like like more like on the same page friendship rather than being like their coach um in a sense but yeah it's a it's a tricky line to walk yeah you know especially when I'm when I'm the 33 year old male teacher and especially you know there are a lot of the girls that want to add me and want to know what my thing on snapchat is and I just gotta be like you know (laughs) that's not it's not a road I want to go down with you. It's not that I don't, and it's not that I don't have good relationships with them, but you know, it's just not, not a road I would ever want to go down. I, I think that would get me, and I don't, I don't think anything would go wrong, but yeah, you just don't want to put yourself in that position where somebody could misinterpret that. So, well, and that's hard because kids don't realize that either, right. right? Like they don't realize what they're putting on is out for the world to see. And most of these kids now don't care and they're not even private. And I think that's like a scary concept. So I would do the same thing if I taught older kids for sure. For sure. So you talked a little bit about, you know, how you got started on, on teachers pay teachers. So how do you use it both to find resources and, what are some of your favorite resources sources that you've posted on there yourself? Hmm. Um, when I did it, I haven't done it in so long, but that's, I think that's one of the cool things about teachers pay teachers. You don't have to like meet these deadlines a lot. It was just something I did kind of for fun, but 
um, cool to get a little extra money. Um, but when I started, I was planning math for my grade level. So I started mostly like standard based math resources because in my school, I was given a curriculum that in my opinion was not really great and it just was not enough. So I used to make all my own resources. Um, so I just shared them. So I would, I had a smart board back then too. So I really liked making smart board like activities. And then I guess my favorite resource, I still love the, how it looks. So it's like meet the teacher. So simple, meet the teacher letter that I used this year. And it's like watercolor. And I still love watercolor so much. But it was nice. just like such a simple resource. And so many people used it. And I saw pictures. And again, it was just like really cool. To be like, wow, I made something. And it has like an impact. Like people, like it's making someone else's life easier. Right. And I think that's a thing with, with TPT and, and, you know, so much of, you know, the Instagram story, like if you followed the right people that were teaching the same, you know, like you teach third grade, if you followed third grade teachers, there's so many people talking about their lessons and what they're doing and how they're doing it. They're giving away so much that there's just like this unlimited exchange of like really great ideas. I know. Sometimes it makes me want to teach other grades because I'm like, wow, that sounds like so much fun, you right. know? Right. And I just, I look at what some of the teacher, like, um, like Josie Bensko, who her Instagram is maniacs in the middle. Yeah. Like if you don't follow her, she's so awesome. Like her class is doing this full on, like little, like they made little race cars and she decorated, decorated her room with all of this racing gear and it like, they're just going all out for these lessons and it's so awesome to see. I know. I love her so much. That's, she's like one of those people. Like I never liked science and I still will tell you science is not my thing, but it's so much fun. And I play her <laughs> playlist every day in my classroom. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. So, so, cool. so on your website, you have a, uh, a spot for lifestyle and self-care. So could you talk about why you think those two things are important? Yeah. Um, I am somebody who likes to work. Like I, when I grew up, I'm like in the summer, I had three jobs. I just like to keep busy. Um, and I could make my whole life work. I could work all day come home sit on my computer writing lesson plans and then go to sleep and do it the next day but I got a little burnt out towards the beginning of this year working in a new grade um because learning all new content writing all new lessons like it was a lot and I had to force myself to take time for myself which it was hard but so important <laughs> So I guess what, what I did at that time is I joined a new um, yoga studio and I forced myself to go and I love it so much. So it's not really forcing, but um, I would, I found that like if I took an hour of my day for myself, I felt so much better than I would if I spent that hour writing more lesson plans or whatever else I needed to do. 
Yeah, I I agree the same thing. And it was so funny. Um, my school day starts like at seven twenty, so I work out right away in the morning, like at five fifteen. And a couple of my high school basketball players have been coming in like at six fifteen when I'm getting done with my workout. And one of the boys was giving me a bad time. He's like, I don't even know why you work out. It doesn't help you as a teacher at all. <laughs> and I just looked at him. And this is like a sharp kid, like good kid, good student. And I just said, that that's one of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard. And he just kept at it. He just goes, everything you need to be a teacher, they taught you in college. Mm. And I just, and that was when I just ended the conversation and I walked away. But... Um, you know, to your point, it, and it's hard. And, you know, this is my eighth year. So I think especially in the last couple of years, I've gotten to that point too, where, you know, I try not to do school stuff at home, you know, maybe a little bit on the weekends. But like you said, I think it's so important that you separate and, and even if it's just an hour or 45 minutes that you take to yourself, I think it's super important. So you know, you, you do the yoga thing. What, what are some other things you do to, to try to take care of yourself and, you know, make sure you're carving out that time for yourself? Um, I think whatever makes you feel good, right? So for me, sometimes it makes me feel good to scroll through Instagram <laughs> and that's okay. Um, Obviously, I spend so much time with my dog. So when I come home, I want to make sure I have time to play with him and just, or just like lay with him and enjoy watching him wa look out the window <laughs> because that makes me happy. Or like I will put on a face mask and have some tea and be like, I am not looking at a computer screen right now. And it just knowing that these things are good for me makes me feel even better. Right. No. And I, and I think you, you brought up a good point to where I, I know I struggle and I heard you say, it, and I think a lot of teachers struggle with not shaming themselves when they're taking care of themselves or not feeling guilty that they're not being more dedicated to their students or to their classroom. And, you know, it, the teacher burnout is real and so real. <laughs> And we know, and there's tons of research out there that, te you know, teachers normally only stay in, like, half of the teachers only stay for three to five years. So mm -hmm. the more, as, as new or veteran teachers, we can find time to, you know, I, one of the things I like to do now that it's summer again, like, I just like to go out to the golf course and go to the driving range and hit golf balls for no real reason for, 30 to 45 minutes, you know, turn, turn on an audible book or, you know, turn on some music and just hit golf balls. Like that's something that relaxes me. So I love what you said too, the, too, though, that it's whatever makes you happy and whatever makes you feel good. I think that's the important part. Right. Sometimes I come home, like, especially when it's nice, like you're saying the other day was the first nice day. I came home and I sat outside and there was no noise. And I just had a kombucha and I was just like, this is perfect. And just like to decompress for a half hour was the, the thing I needed. The one thing. Perfect. Perfect. So we want to 
definitely, like I said, be respectful of your time. So we'll kind of start winding the questions down. Um, what is something else besides education or, you know, maybe more of education that you're really passionate about? Um, well, in education, I'm really passionate about math. <laughs> I love math. I'm getting my master's in math right now. So it's something that I like to read about and I like to learn more about. And I think it's really interesting. And I like hope one day to be like a math coach and help other people because that's, that's my thing. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, I'm disappointed. My, my co-host Wilkie couldn't be on cause that's what he is. Like he's a math coach. Uh -huh. Yeah. And he is he's a math he's a math junkie as well. Um gosh, like I can do some pretty basic math, <laughs> but I, I have a study hall where like most of the kids are like pre algebra and up and I they ask me questions and I just like stare at them blankly. Like <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. But no, that's that's cool and it's it's good that you're passionate about your content. I think that makes a big difference as well. No, and it, it does. Like we were talking about before, how if you are passionate about something, your kids will be. And our kids love math so much. We just took our ELA state testing, and that was yesterday and the day before. And this morning they came in, and they were like, let's do math now. Where most kids would be like, I never want to take a test again. They were like, no, let's just like do it. It'll be fun. That's awesome. That's so fantastic. So... um. <laughs> You know, you, you talk about, you read about math. So do, the question I'm asking is, what's what's the best book you've read, you know, re say recently to, you know, the last six months to a year? Um, well, to be honest, so I do a lot of um, curriculum planning for ELA um, for my grade level. And so the books that I read are usually third grade level tech because <laughs> um, I'll plan like chapter book studies and stuff and I haven't had too much time but if I think about math I've actually been posting a lot about this isn't a book but there are some really really amazing articles about rules in math that expire um, and they're just some of the greatest texts I think for elementary teachers to read because there's so many times where we teach kindergarteners, first graders. I, I am so guilty of saying some of these things in my first couple years teaching. We teach kids rules that don't exist when they get to fifth, sixth, seventh grade. Like when you add two numbers, the answer is bigger, right? But that's not always true. <laughs> so that's one. Oh my goodness. I, I recommend it to everyone I talk to when we get into math stuff. So that's what it means when a rule expired. Cause I was going to ask you like a follow up. Cause I don't like, I'm not sure what that, what does it mean when rules expire? So, so for that example, right. So, so many times in when kids first learn how to add, the teachers will say like, Oh, when you add two numbers, the answer is a larger number, greater number. But then when you start adding negative integers, that's not true. Right. right? So right. kids have a really hard time when they're in sixth or seventh grade and they start 
like having to deal with these concepts. They're like, this is not what I learned. And then all these middle school teachers are mad, right? There's this disconnect between elementary and middle school. And they're like, why did they teach them that? Or um, one of one of my favorites, because I was guilty my first year teaching second grade, was that you can't subtract a lesser number from a greater number. <laughs> but you can. Yeah. So don't tell kids. And I think one of the things we do or I do now is say like, if they like wrote their equation backwards, I'll say like, well, since you have like your lesser number first, then you're going to have a negative answer. And we don't work with negative numbers yet in third grade, but you're going to later. So we need to fix this equation, right? So instead of telling them you can't do something or that's wrong, you just explain to them. And my kids will literally say that equation's wrong because the answer will be negative. And they don't know like exactly how to get that negative number, but they know that that's what would come up that equation. Wow. I never, I never would have thought of that. That's fantastic. I am actually like, you made me interested in, in rules in math that expire. I think that's Ooh, fantastic. They're, they're linked on my, uh, page if you want to go check them out I'm going after. I'm actually going to <laughs> you you convince me so a few more <laughs> questions before we let you get out of here um what's the best advice and this does not have to be advice in teaching but just in general the best advice you've ever been given and who was the person that gave it to you um I think you know, like this year, I, um, I'm i leading my grade level team, and it was it was a little more work learning a new grade level, like I said. Um, and I'm the kind of person, if someone says, like, let's do, like, oh, we have to do this, and I'll always say, like, I got it. I'll do it. You know, like, I take so much on. But then when I had that burnt out feeling, I think I was, like, talking to my coach, and it was like, it's okay if someone else does something and I don't feel like I'm a control freak I just don't mind offering and I think learning to delegate or delegate is so important as a teacher because I think so many of us are like no I can do this I'll do that but there are people to help you a lot of the time and just taking that and (laughs) letting people help you is really important yeah, I think that's such a good point. And I, I think a lot of teachers I know I was guilty of it at the start was every time I was asked for to do something, I was just, you know, yeah, I'll, I'll be a team player, you know, and, and, and doing that. So I think that's such a good point. You're like, oh, yeah, you need that by tonight? Sure, I, I'll cancel my dinner plans. <laughs> yeah, that's that's it. So, all right. Um. So this is a broad question, so you can take it whatever direction you want. But if you could give one piece of advice to a teacher that was struggling, what would it be? Mm. I think, and I know this is a broad answer, but like it will be okay. Um, I think most, many struggling teachers are in their first couple years. And I had a really, really tough, couple years of um, teaching my first, second, and third year. Um, 
my second year of teaching was when I started coaching soccer. So I went from getting to work an hour early and staying two hours after work to get things done to having to leave right at 3.30 when we had gotten out. And I learned that if I leave work, everything will still get done. And I think that's really important because when you're struggling, you often want to keep working and overwork yourself, but you need to sometimes let things be and realize that like tomorrow will come, you will teach kids and everything will be okay. (laughs) Yeah. And I think to that point too, when, when you have that mentality, you realize that there are certain things that you thought had to get done that really didn't. And you really, I I think when I was in that situation coaching as well, it really helped me to prioritize like what the tasks were. But I I love that you say that because you're right. Everything will get done. You'll find time to do those grades and you'll find time to do everything. And, And like you said, the important thing is that you're, you'll, you'll be in there teaching with your kids. I think that's a really good answer. I really like that a lot. So two, two more before we let you go, what is your, um, proudest accomplishment to date? Um, I don't know. I, in a couple months, I'll say finishing my master's cause I am so ready to be done, but I don't know. I think that one of the things that I'm most happy with myself as a teacher is the relationships I've made with my kids and families. Um, like today, before I was talking, or I came on to talk to you, went with my friend to one of my kids that I taught last year, his baseball game. Um and just make such a difference. I feel like that's one of the most important things that like I've done. And even though it might not look like accomplishment, you don't get a piece of paper, right? It's, it's makes a difference in my life and it makes a difference in my kids' lives. And I think that's like the most important thing to me in my, in my teaching. That's awesome. And, you know, every person that we've talked to on the podcast has emphasize the importance of relationships and like you've been saying you know with how we treat kids and what we teach them one of the best things we can do is just show them the value of relationships I think that's super important so before we ask you the last question uh, where can people go if they want to connect with you or find you know buy your t-shirts or follow you on Instagram where can they find you oh um like my handle is um, at the cutesy class and then um, everything's on my Instagram. I, I use Instagram solely. I have a Facebook that's connected, but it's so hard to keep up with everything. Um, keeping up with Instagram is hard enough. And then the website for t-shirts is just cutesy class, Tom. Awesome. Well, Before I ask you the last question, I really want to thank you. I really enjoyed the conversation. I appreciate you taking some time out of your evening to have a nice talk with me. No, thank you. Oh, my goodness. This is great. Okay, so last question before we let you go. What what do you want your legacy to be? Um, Like, as a teacher, I I want... I want my kids to just feel how I feel about 
my favorite teachers. I had this one teacher in sixth grade and he made me feel so important and not even just important, but like successful. He always made me feel like I was really smart and like a great student and classmate. And I hope that like my kids look back and I think like, wow, first of all, Miss M was my favorite, but she also helped me be such a better person or successful person in life beyond beyond elementary school, beyond high school, like thinking like I went to college and I knew exactly what I needed to do because I was so prepared even when I was really young. Gosh, that's such a great answer and a great way to wrap it up. Thank you so much. Again, Brittany, I really appreciate you uh, spending some time and coming on the podcast with us. Thank you so much for having me. I love talking about teaching. So this is great. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we'll have to have you back uh, when you finish your master's. And my uh, my co-host, Wilkie, by that time, I think will be just in his dissertation. So you guys can have a nice talk about that. And I will just kind of stand back because I have yet to do my master's or my doctorate. So <laughs> I will happily listen to the two of you have that conversation. That would be so much fun. All right. So once again, thank you so much, Brittany, for coming on. Thank you for having me.